All right. So today, I hope everybody's doing well. We did a little offline or off-record check-in because um, I was reading, you know, um, some research. This guy wrote, well, his research <clears throat> that said, especially from the therapeutic aspect, um, one of the most effective things long-term for people is, you know, um, letting people check in, especially in group situations or in training situations when you're dealing with adults, right? And so I was reading this and, you know, I still do some stuff at a, a, a rehab center where it's a big group and uh, usually, and it's educational, it's psychosocial educational, they call it. And it's supposed to be therapeutic also. So after reading it, I, st I started a few months ago uh, start every class with like four or five questions, right? And I noticed that it it really does seem to work, right? Because it gets people to open up about themselves and what's going on with them, you know. Of course, that's I, that's a very targeted application I'm using, you know. You know, what have you done for your recovery? What went well, depending on the day, you know. Uh, what challenges are you working on, da 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 and it gets people, um, it's, uh, the group's gotten a lot better. So I was starting to do that with my trainings, right? As you all know, I usually start with, you know, how can I have fun today? What can I do better today? Or, you know, how can, whatever, just three or four questions. And it's, again, it's to reset the reticular activating system. I think what it does as trainers is it brings your students into the room. Because we all have lives, especially... I'd love to get some talk later about like that's one of the challenges of online training or therapy is you're still, you know, you're not in the room right there. There's, you know, the dog may be over there or, you know, something grabs your attention over here. So, but it just by asking questions, because from what they've done with neuroscience, when you put people in an MRI and you get them answering questions, it actually focuses their brain more, right? Because I know we've all had the experience as students, even if it's an exciting class and you're really into it, your mind will wander, right? Correct? It'll swirl, you know, or what's for lunch? What's going on? Whatever's, whatever's happening. So, you know, by asking questions, brings people in the room, also lets you track what's going on, right? Let's you track what's going on. Um, and if you're going to do online trainings or even live trainings, when I'm doing the multi-day, four or five, six-day trainings, um, if you start the day with, you know, like with just some good questions, I leave that pretty open. I have mine, you know, how I always throw on how can I have fun today? Uh but if you end the day with, so, you know, what did I learn today? What's one thing I learned? You know, and you go around and have people answer the question, you know. Uh, it really lets you track the group quite well, right? I, 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 again, I take this from the therapeutic aspect when I'm doing that addiction group. You know, what have, what have I learned? What did I learn today? What did I learn new about addiction? Whatever it is, right? And it's fun, but you got to be ready for the answer especially in that kind of group, if you're going to do general groups, <laughs> there's always some guy or girl go, I didn't learn anything today. 
right? So, I mean, how are you going to answer that? My standard comeback is, that's sad. And I can just tell you what I taught, but I can't tell you what you learned. And I've gotten into some lively discussions with people when I when I kind of give that answer, but it's very targeted. It's like okay, I and it's like oh, can choose not to learn whatever you want to learn, um, you know. So it lets you pull back, ask questions, and it lets you track where. And it, it's to me, it's fascinating, especially the last time I did it in the training, and getting people telling me what they learned, because it's like sometimes it's. It surprises the shit out of you. <laughs> it's like, really? In yeah. a good way, sometimes a bad yeah. way, but you're like, yeah. really? You know? And then you have to track, did I teach that? And then it's also, then you have to go back and think, you know, uh, what do you call it? You know, deconstruct what I, what, you know, it's another reason, especially when I'm teaching multi days or longer things, I keep notes on the board behind me. Right. Uh, or if I'm using a PowerPoint, it's not so much there for the audience. It's there to keep me where I'm going. So if I click through at the end and go like, here's what I did today, you know, it lets, it lets me know uh, where I'm at, you know. Um, so now, along that vein, you know, we did the off, I call it offline check-in with uh, how what went on last week, just in general. But now I'd like to ask the question and we'll bounce around. And um, how, with what you've learned so far up to, this is week five, because um, I actually have an outline, I'm pretty much following it. Um, given what you've learned so far, you know, which, you know, it, foundations of NLP, introduction, some, language stuff, anchoring. Last week, we did state management a little bit. Um, given what you've learned so far, how are you going to apply it? And it, well, if you've had the chance to apply it, you know, how did you apply it? Now, I'd like to hear, like, did Nenea add anything with when she was doing the readings and stuff, you know, so how are you applying this? And if you haven't had a chance, you know, how do you plan on applying it? Sound good? And this will be recorded. So, oh, Scott's already on mic, so he's starting us off. How you doing? Um, yes. Well, I plan on using it uh, actually in presentations. I think the self-anchoring was a really, really powerful uh, tool and strategy to use. So just being more conscious of the anchors I'm creating as I'm talking to people and anchoring good feelings to myself, pointing at myself, you know, when I'm talking about you know, getting them in a good state or, you know, telling stories and that type of thing. I think that's a really, really powerful tool and, and something I plan on definitely using. So. Cool. How about Miss uh, Denea? Okay. Uh, for me, one of the things that, one of the stories I told myself was I struggled with using stories and that's something that's really starting to shift. So uh, one of the things I do on social media is I'll post an affirmation. And now I'm starting to tell a story that goes along with that affirmation. So I did one and says, oh, this reminds me of the story. I didn't do a video on it. I wanted to see how well it did with 
long text, long content. And um, so that's kind of cool. And then that's, you know, also as Scott was saying, getting more consistent with anchoring positive things to myself, but I'm also uh, working in more stories because that's how we, you know, we, we think in stories, we like you've taught us. Right. So that's, that's how one of the things I'm doing now. Cool. How about Miss Nadine? Yes. Okay. So the first thing, um, I'm very proud of myself because with you, I'm, I'm practicing my English in a good way. And this is what I wanted. Actually, it's a big challenge for me. So for me, since the beginning till today, I think I did a lot of effort and progress. And maybe Diana knows because she was with me last week on, in the private room. So I was talking about this. So everything I learned, I'm learned, I'm trying to use uh, to use them in my daily life, my personal stories, I'm trying to to tell them in English, to say them in English. Uh, I learned a lot from the why, what, how, and what if, and I'm using them a lot with my clients, with my daughter at home, so I can practice it again and again. And of course, the anchors, I, I had a lot of ideas about, uh, from people around in the, in the training. So I'm adding some anchors like objects, like colors, a lot of things. So thank you. Thank you for accepting me. And I'm really happy that I'm with you guys. Nadi. I got a chance to practice what you do so effortlessly, uh, that part, you know, that that anchoring to yourself. I did that consciously. And I think <laughs> suddenly when I realized that I had my hand coming towards me, I had a big smile on my face, of course, at that time. And uh, <laughs> we did manage to exchange a look when I was doing that webinar. So it's uh, it's it's beautiful. That realization was never there to, to anchor all the good stuff to yourself like that. And uh, the, the, the state management, et cetera, we've been using that for our workshop when we start anchoring to the self, we've been using all of that. So uh, what I, uh, like I said last time as well, I'm fascinated by the uh, format system and uh, it plays around in my mind for a lot of other things other than the content to be shared only um, just the content to be shared. Um, so pretty much to be aware of how to use hands for um, consciously how to use hands, not just when you're giving a demo, but uh, yeah, staying in the state of conscious competence is also something which I've taken because uh, I, I thought that we were always in the state of unconscious competence, but uh, Bringing yourself a step back is something which I've taken from from your constant uh, mention of it. Thank you. Cool. Jamala. Um, so recently I was having some challenge with a particular uh, uh, situation and I just enjoyed, uh, you know, using on self uh, state management. Uh, and uh, such a instant uh, shift in the, uh, you know, uh, I could sense the uh, tension in my body and, uh, you know, 
all that went up it i was getting into pain actually because the, the situation was driving me to that the moment i used this uh, just five minutes it took and it gave such a pleasure to me and i thought oh wow uh, so fast you know you can uh, uh, change your uh, shift your uh, states and of course i do use lot of affirmation and i was using affirmation also um, really enjoying uh, i'm glad that i joined this though i got to know late and lot of learning cool venu so i i would like to start with a thank you uh, for the invite to come back here and because it has been life changing i will say to go back to basics and uh, anchoring yes we have uh, i am using them uh, a lot uh, hot hierarchy of thought and uh, conscious competence uh, it, they are like on the they are with me like i am not forgetting about them they are part of me like every day to day uh, activities and uh, one thing which i noticed in myself that i was working with this corporate client and uh, recently they have started uh, telling me that we have some budgeted issues and we will not be working with you for some time and uh, because all the employees uh, you know uh, objected to me not being there for them as a trainer or a coach uh they kept on calling me and telling them that she will come you know this week next week next to next week and last week i told them um we were have we were supposed to have the class on 27th and uh, on 26th they called me and they said we are postponing it again to the to march 12th of march and that time i realized what they were doing you know uh, there is a very beautiful book called the games people play and i realized that the games they were playing and i told them that march month is full um i am available in april and if you want any other trainer you want to complete the trainings i will give you reference of other trainers you can reach out to them and you can uh, go ahead with that for i asked this question to myself why i was not doing this before and um, you know sometimes we forget to pull back uh as shamla was saying that uh, she experienced some pain uh if we are not dealing with something which is not working with our values and beliefs um i i suppose we face the same things you know and there's some pain somewhere you uh, in your body so the moment i said that to them i wrote a poem okay it's in hindi so i wrote a poem and uh, magically um uh, i felt good about uh, myself and my walk changed my talk changed and i felt very good about myself so thank you so much wonderful can i add uh, something to dr patel sure so we were talking about this uh, conscious competence um, i just started uh, learning swimming for the last two years and uh, with lot of uh, breaks you know uh, but yes uh, today when i went for swimming uh, and it's uh, almost a month uh, gap and yesterday and today i went so i was just thinking you know now I, that i was talking to my daughter in the afternoon 
So I said, now it has become my muscle memory. I have reached unconscious competence. <laughs> so I'm so glad that I reached that stage. So I was te the, telling her you know, how the step progresses and uh, where I am. So I said, the, I'm feeling very nice. So I wanted to uh, tell that whatever we are learning, you know, it's coming up at a appropriate time and I'm using it appropriately. Thank you so much. About Jill. Repeat the question. So it was, how are we applying what we've learned? Yeah, up to this if point? you've applied it so far, how? And if you haven't yet, how do you plan on it? Okay. Well, I mean, it being NLP in language, I think it's something that you just apply with everything, right? So even seeing my clients one-on-one, -on -one, the language patterns, and also the body language as well is something that I've tried to make a little bit more note of, right? Like what you were showing us, pointing it to us and some of the stories that you say. Um, and I definitely plan on uh, using it with online courses, right? So I'm, I'm planning on transitioning completely online where I'm going to start making some courses. And uh, I mean, language patterns and, and selling and even the suggestions and everything are completely wrapped up with NLP and language patterns and hypnosis. So, I mean... I guess in every aspect, I would try. I'm, I'm planning on using it. Okay. Cool. Uh, Doctor Watson, uh, uh, Doctor Watson, I am actually in translate, so I am on mute. Okay. All right. We'll get back. How about Manisha. So the one statement that you have been using from the first class, today being the fifth, you started with that again, which is uh, bathing in the blood of my internal enemies is something that I would take from you and use it extensively because uh, it prides me in uh, bringing out the, uh, you know, the, the curiosity with people because the moment you talk about enemies, people get curious. And then you break that curiosity by saying, oh, they're not the enemies on the outside. They're ones that I'm dealing with on the inside, just like everybody else is. So that's something that I've learned yet to apply, of course. But in my head, I think I've applied. I have used it immensely. And in my head, I've got wonderful responses from the audience. So I'm just going to make it happen in reality because it's already happened inside. Outside, it sure will. Uh, in addition to that, the one reminder that you have uh, given to us is that people don't know what they don't know. And a lot of times we operate from a space as we are speaking in front of people, thinking that they already know. Uh, however, uh, going back with the reference of that movie, Catch Me If You Can, that you just have to be one chapter ahead, is one thing that I really, uh, realize, really understood at a different level that it is not that you have to be five you know 50 years ahead of people or 20 years ahead of people to be able to take it to people because uh, when you're 20 years ahead you often think that uh, people would know so I just want to make a quick reference of a past experience that I've had that when I was in school and we were studying the subject physics and we had a situation in our school where we did not have consistent physics teacher so I had to take uh, classes from a person outside of the school space. And he happened to be the HOD of the university of my state. 
the head of the department of the University of Physics department. And I thought that uh, he's going to teach me thinking and expecting me to know most of what is written in the book. But that was the first experience of a fabulous teacher. And that is the first trainer that I have you know, looked up to because he taught physics to a person, to a student who probably did not even know that physics was spelled with a P. Okay. It could have been F. So he taught me in a way that he did not speak from this level and thinking that, oh, this is how I impart. He came down to this level and spoke my language. And I understood that subject so beautifully that for until my final exams, I did not have to pick up my book because I knew everything, whatever he taught. So that is what I realized as a good trainer, what one needs to do, that not think that I know it so people may also know it or assume. And that brought me to a realization. And in the last uh, five, four classes that we've had with you, so many times you have actually allowed us to speak from the space while we are talking like trainers or we may be in a space of doing the trainings already. But we may also be those students who you've allowed us to be that over here. So that's something that I'm learning from you. And it's been... Uh, yet to be implemented. So thank you so much for just bringing that into a space of realization. In the space of conscious competence and unconscious, uh, the, 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 the five, four levels of learning, uh, I've also realized that a lot of times we tend to operate and work with people's you know, superficial layer. However, with what you have done and you know, in, your, in your ways of acting and using your body and using your hands where we are bringing in a lot of power to ourselves. So the self-anchoring has become an awareness state that as we are working, we need to be so much in awareness of our entire beingness, not just of our words that we are speaking or the tonality that we are taking to, but also how we're moving our hands and our body. Because for until now, We've used a lot of spatial anchors, and I'm talking about we, when I say we, Nidhi and I, in our space of trainings, that we've used spatial anchors, spatial anchors to a space and then go and stand there to say that is, you know, to take that position of power. In. But bringing it with your hands is something that I've learned here yet to implement. So a big thank you for that. Miss Michelle. This um, class I love so much. Um, I took it several years ago when um, I think during COVID 2020, 2021, something like that. And um, it's so good now because then I was still trying to figure things out and just survive. And now it's making sense in my mind. And where the one thing I, I, I don't know why I had such a block with um, certain things, but it, it's just open. It's open my, my mind. I'm like, Oh, now I understand. And and I'm Italian. So now I use my hands for good and not evil. You know, <laughs> where yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now I just bring it the good to me and it is work. You know, I have to consciously think of that instead of like always like very expressive, just bring it in 
to my heart, the love, and then anything else has to go out there. Cool. That's the big thing. <laughs> I think I got everybody whose camera's on. I don't call, <clears throat> could be a reason they don't want to jump on. Um, cool. All right. So, 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 uh, <clears throat> today we're going to focus on, you know, it, it, it's something I've been thinking about, uh, which is scary when I start thinking it's a, it's a dark place. Um, uh, but how can you apply this kind of stuff? First of all, you know, when we talk about like, you know, what you're going to learn, why you should learn it, how are you going to apply it? What if you learn it? Well, you know, there's downsides, there's upsides to doing all of this, especially as a trainer. One is, or any skill, when you start, if you start really studying it, right, um, it gives you a different viewpoint of it, you know. Uh, like uh, Manisha just said, now that she started to teach, you can look back at that teacher who was able, not everybody can do that, right, can step down to someone's level, right. Uh, it's also why I think uh, what impacted me when I was learning all this, I was still very into karate, is I had a karate teacher. You, you, Shama? Anyway, he's a Japanese guy. But he would tell people that one reason when he's teaching, he likes to take like blue belts who have somewhat skill. They've probably been trained six, eight months to a year. And he wants them to teach the new people, right? Because the same thing we say is when you teach it, you learn it. And that's what he said. It, you know, you have to work on whatever you're teaching, you know. Uh, and also you're closer to that connection, right? And it's, and I think a lot of that has to do with ego. You know, you want to step in and we've all, I think if you've gone to conferences or this or that, or had experience with trainers, that it seems like they're all, they're trying to just appear smart, right? And you see it in the hypnosis, NLP, coaching, therapy world, where those of us into it, like, look, we all know this, we, these words are made up 90% of the time, you know? So, you know, can you use a different word? You know, my, my personal thing is <laughs> transderivational search in NLP, right? Transderivational search, which means look through your past. You know, I remember I was at a training and I think it was Grinder said that. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Why the hell don't you just say look through your past? This makes no sense to me, right? And part of that, I understand it's, it's, it's a training methodology. But so, you know, so you got to, especially, you know, you're going to start training new people. Right. That's why I think at the beginning by asking the question, like, what do you want out of this course? Uh, you know, why are you here? What do you want out of it? That lets you, I think as a trainer, I think it helps me drop down to realizing uh, they don't know what they don't know. Right. Um, and so that, that, that's kind of fun. And for what we do, you know, we're, we help people make these changes at a different level. And, and again, if you could step down and teach it and do that, the other world that, 
that I bring into play constantly. You always hear me talk about it, but it's impacted everything I do. It's one of the geniuses that this is why I get upset when people say they don't like it because they don't understand it, which is the genius of the 12 step program in recovery, you know, in, in uh, substance abuse recovery is it keeps in. Sometimes I understand when people go, whatever they're thinking, but I was explaining to someone who didn't like it. I said, well, what it does is, you know, let's say someone hasn't had a drink or a drug in decades. By having, by talking to people that are at that base level, it, it, it keeps you fresh. Right. And so you don't, you know, you don't repeat the same patterns because not to sound somewhat political all over the world, but it seems like we're forgetting the past. So we're starting to relive it, you know, on a global scale. It's like, does anybody remember some of this stuff that went on? Not, not all that long ago. Right. So, so, you know, it, it, it's understanding, you know, how, how to apply this stuff. And again, the format method, I always have to remind myself that is so handy, no matter what you're teaching, whether it's a, just a workshop a seminar, uh, just a technique if you're just giving a talk because again people are you know i know somebody that took this and it changed how they they spoke a lot at uh like scott was talking like bni groups or or you know the chamber of commerce kind of things and he they get up and say hey here's what i want to show you today here's why you want to learn this here's and he goes note it was this guy he goes he noticed names goodwin he goes he noticed everybody started paying attention Right. Because, you know, after the intros, I think it was a BNI by sitting there like, OK, this doesn't apply to me. You know, what do I care what this hypnotist is going to tell us? And they're they're already like, you know, making their daily list, you know, to get out of the room. And he goes, when he started that, it perked them up. Here's why you want to learn it. Here's how here's how I'm going to teach it. Da, da, da. And it was didn't take him. But a few seconds, really, to lay it out. And then he would go in and he. And he changed from talking about things to having people experience things. Experience, right? Uh, and I remember uh, they sa said, uh, and he would use a, a lot of props. And I think he did that because he, at one point in his life, he was an amateur magician. But when he would talk about like hypnosis, and I still remember this one to this day, and I've done it a couple of times. He had a little potted, uh, plastic potted plant. I wish I had one sitting here. But if you can imagine a little plastic pot, potted plant, right? He'd pick it up. He goes, here's the difference. Here's why you want to learn this. Here's what I do. Here, and he goes, here, here's this. Here's your life, right? And all this stuff up here is your is all this all your life. Let's say you have some some branches growing bad habits, things you want to get rid of. Now he goes, you know what therapy does? First of all, they go in and they talk about the problem. And if you're lucky, then they'll take a little pair of scissors and maybe nip at the, the edges of the problem. Right? And he goes, the difference between what, what I do uh, and, and, and that is not there's anything wrong with that. He goes, I take this. And we rip it out by the roots. We go in and we clip off the parts of the roots that's causing the problems. And so then when you, and when we put it all back together, it looks different, right? And I'm like, that's a cool analogy. 
that that people people could relate to, right? And that's like, you know, to me, that's the perfect example of a waking hypnosis technique, right? That he's he's bringing it up there, you know, and he would add in the language to do all of those kind of things. So, so again, a lot of this is about breaking their, you know, when you have students, you break their patterns, and especially you're doing a multi-day training, you know, how are you going to break their pattern? But you're always training them. You're always training them. Uh, I remember I used to teach, when I teach live, um, especially at a hotel, I'd always have a chair that I'd rock. I'd rock a chair or I'd spin a chair. It's just like, you know, a little hotel chair, right? That, they all look the same pretty much all over the all over the world, right? And I was, you know, I was always testing this stuff in the back of my mind. Does it does it work the way we think it does? Right. And so if I'm training a group, sometimes then I'd rock the chair as as I uh would say, like, come on back, like from a break or an exercise, I'd be rocking the chair or spinning the chair, right? And it didn't take very long that I didn't have to say the come on back. If I was up in the front of the room and I started rocking the chair or spinning the chair, people, you know, it was like Pavlov's dog. I just, and we're all trained. I mean, go back to school, the bell would ring, you'd come in, you'd sit down, da, 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 right? And then especially for a while, whenever I tell a story, I'd spin a chair. And it was fun with the groups that we train, right? That, they're always wondering is sometimes is what you're doing have a deep mind control methodology to it, right? And but it it would train the audience when I'd spin the chair, they knew a story was coming, you know. So people get comfortable and they do that, right? And I didn't realize the power of it till one day when I was doing a training, and I had a tennis ball, right? And I would constantly be flipping the tennis ball back and forth between my hands, right? Squeezing it, flip, flip, flip. And the, honest to God, there was no subtext to it. There was no subconscious training. I, I, I think I jammed up and broke a finger, right? So I was trying to get the strength back. And then, you know, but then people like started reading all this. I've noticed you're doing all, <laughs> I noticed you're doing, and I, hmm, yes, you know, that's right. Whatever it was, right? But it was just, I was doing it, but people read things into it, which also too, if, especially with what we do, that's what people are going to are gonna be focusing on, right? And so, and I think, sadly, from my monitoring things online, because I haven't went to another person's training in a while, uh, the underutilization of hypnosis during the training, right? Whether it's overt hypnosis, take a deep breath, close your eyes, right? Uh, or covert, just understanding how to tell a story. And again, that's one thing I do, and it was what, 2017 was the last one I went to. Uh, yeah, 17 or 18, it was before COVID. And, excuse me. Um, that I was impressed with the uh, with with uh, date with destiny with Tony Robbins, 
how the whole thing was set up hypnotically from start to finish, right? And the way he he did a lot of things, but even his top trainers, right? How they did certain things. Um, and I don't think you can argue with the fact he's pretty successful at what he does, right? And so it's like, hmm, can we use that uh, in the, you know, in what we do? Yeah, and even online, you can make things somewhat hypnotic. Um, number one, by not being afraid of it. That's what my big complaint one of the reasons the hypnosis industry in general, the hypnosis side, a lot of the organizations, one of the reasons they got um, into a little bit of a bind, they had too many trainers that would not use hypnosis while they were teaching a hypnosis class. And I, I'd seen many people over and over again that had been to trainings and I'd, They'd be at a conference and I'd say, well, what are you at the conference? They go, I want to learn how to do hypnosis. Well, you're certified. Yeah, but we never did hypnosis in the class. Right? Well, did the or and the and the instructor didn't hypnotize. If I'm doing a basic hypnosis, I, I'm hypnotizing the group at least at least once a day, preferably twice. Right. It's just what I and I was telling somebody, they go, What if somebody gets upset? And then I'm I would say, then I'd throw them out of the room. It's like, you know, I don't, you, you know, you're going to, if you're going to be, yeah, yeah, it'd be like going to a medical conference and saying, I'm just going to sit in the back and smoke cigarettes. Okay. I don't think, it, you know, so it's fun to do, right? So, so how are you going to use this, right? How are you going to apply the hypnosis? What are your hypnotic stories? Um, can you think of a hypnotic story that you can do? Because I talked a little bit about you need a story that's uh, 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 in hypno hypnotically told that's going to demonstrate the technique before you demonstrate the technique. Excuse me. So again, I always use the visual squash because to me, that's an easy setup because we've all had the experience of, you know, you ever had that issue where part of you wants to do something and part of you doesn't, you know, part of you wants to do that. And every, I think generally all across the world, I think people can relate to that. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? You got to practice. Wouldn't you agree? Right. And, you know, especially if you're trained, you know, you're going to train people. Okay. So before you do the demo, you kind of tell a story and I just use a client I've had recently or a really good example of, or your personal story, part of me wanted to do this, part of me didn't, and how you, how you resolved it in a story form, right? And then you say, okay, now, and then if you do the demo, now you really want to have fun, you do the demo, and then you say, okay, here's what we're going to do next. We're going to do the visual squash technique. Here's why you want to learn the visual squash technique. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's, here's what we're going to do. You know, here's what happens if you learn how to do this. You'll see it everywhere, blah, 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 blah. Right. So they've already got a, a model of it in their head that they're not consciously aware of. Right. That if you did it a, using just hypnotic language uh, and just generally how we watch a demo, you kind of go into a, a different level of thought. Right. If you if you got a group and you're doing your teacher like the visual cost new behavior generator, I found a great majority of the group 
will go into a light trance because they're doing it. They've already they're applying it. They're they're new behavior generated. They're sitting there when I I'm a, I'm just telling the story and they're sitting there. Or when I'm doing the demo, they're 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 experiencing the technique, right? So that's the hot model. You always have that group, the population that wants to go into the experience. Then you have the group, this the first level, the second level, where they're going to watch the experience, right? And then you have the group while you're demoing it that are thinking about thinking about, they're already thinking of the applications of it. And they'll be the ones that ask questions like, can I ask a question? What would you do if, and then they go off on some tangent that has really, you know, you know, it's the second Tuesday of the month, which might have to do with the lunar, and you're like, has nothing to do with just Let's just do, but they're, they're thinking about thinking about it, right? Uh, so, you know, that's how you kind of tie these two things together, right? So here's what I want you to do. We're going to take a quick break because I've already drank too much coffee. You know, and I've hit that stage. And plus, I try to drink more fluid. Um, for a while, I was trying to do that where you drink like between three quarters to a gallon of water a day. I failed. I failed. You know, it was easy to drink the water. It's just I couldn't pass a bathroom. <laughs> I couldn't make it through a 50-minute teaching session at the center or if I was doing a session. It's like, I digress. But anyway, so here's what you're going to do. We're going to take a break, a fluid change break, as I call it. But while you're on the break, think about a story you could tell the group that you will use to set up a hypnosis tech or a, 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 an NLP technique. Could be one from, you know, how, how you experienced it when you know, when you're first starting training, that's the easiest. If you've been doing, you know, that's why I always like my trainers to have it, you know, quite a bit of therapeutic experience just for the fact that it gives you stories. You know, you can just say, I had this client once and then just tell a story. Just, you know, don't give their demographics as we would say in psychology, you know, but, uh, you know, that had whatever fear and then how you do a fear technique. Right. And so and so then you're going to demo it on the fly because that's the way it works. Right? In case you're at a, a, a somewhere where you could uh, you could do that. Right. So let's take a break. And while you're on the break, think about a story that sets up a hypnotic NLP technique. So you can, you don't have to do the demo, but you're going to do the story. All right, let's take a break. So what we're going to do next is the, the demo of using some of these advanced techniques uh, of hypnosis and NLP to teach hypnosis and NLP, because it's one of the things that uh, I like NF NLP people to stress is we use it to teach it. And so... You know, and the reason you want to you want to do this, of course, why you want to do it is it gives you hands-on experience because I mean you wouldn't want your uh, pilot of your airliner 
to have only trained in the classroom. Hopefully you want him to practice it a few times in real time. Same with your heart doctor, or if you're having heart surgery, whatever it happens to be. So that, you know, it gives you some real life experience because there's certain things that you have to do to get good at. Right? You, you, have, you, you, you have to, you have to do. Um, uh, so, so that's why you want to do it. And how we're going to do it, we're just going to do a demo and then we'll, We'll give you some ways to tweak it, and then maybe we'll do the demo again because there's nothing like practical experience. Um, and so, again, you know, uh, that's what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And if you do this, you'll see how it changes everything that you do. And that reminds me of an example. Have you ever had, like, some choices to make in your life, you know, where you have different directions you can take? You're not quite sure which direction. And I'm not sure if you could relate to that, but you know, the more I think about it, the more I realize, I think that's a universal experience. Uh, because sometimes the hardest thing we have to do is to live the life we've got, not the life we want to have, right? I, I was talking to someone uh, and their, their kid um, was going to go to college. This was last fall. And then they know what I do for a living. It was their friend. Uh, but they said, you know, how do they help their kid? And their kid was stuck in the decision mode. You ever been there where you're stuck in the decision? Because this kid was lucky enough to, to get accepted into three or four really good schools, right? not even counting the local ones that you could probably go to. I mean, three, I forget what they were, that's irrelevant, but they couldn't decide, right? And the, the parent, the dad was like, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, they never had that experience. So they, they, they had nothing to go on. So I said, well, naturally, the more you, you think about it, the easier it becomes when you realize it's really hard to share an experience unless you've had it. Uh, so, I talked to him about his experiences. And I said, didn't you join the military when you were younger? And he goes, yeah. I go, well, what'd you join? You know, he joined the Navy. I said, well, what made you join the Navy? You know, you could have joined the Army. You could have joined the Air Force. could have joined the Coast Guard here in America. You could have joined the Marine Corps. And he goes, well, I looked at all of them. I go, how did you decide? And he goes, whatever he said. And I said, but you know what, what happens? It, did you enjoy your time in the Navy? And he goes, yeah, it was good. And he kind of gave his own answer. And I said, sometimes when you have the opportunities like that, you could go to there, you could go here, like your daughter is deciding which college to go to. The problem is you start thinking about the life you could have had instead of the life you got right now. You know, when you were in the Navy and you were going through training and you got on that ship, if you were thinking about what it'd be like in the Air Force, you're going to hate the U.S. Navy or anything, right? So if your daughter decides to go to the college up in New York and not this one, if the whole time she's there, she's thinking this would have been better, you know? It's the same kind of thinking that people get into that I've noticed and, and realized are the same ones that can't stay in a relationship, right? Because they keep thinking about what they might be missing, you know, the, whether it's the next, next relationship, you know, or the next job. I think psychology calls that uh, horizon chasing. You're always chasing the horizon, right? Which is an ever moving target. 
So, you know, sometimes I said, what you have to do is just help her like narrow down the, the choices. Yeah? And, you know, and then, again, it's one of those things that we have where it's easier said than done. But I use the analogy in my mind, have you ever been on a highway? You know, here in the States, we have it, Canada, I've seen it in other parts of the world where it's like a four lane road and they're doing construction and they start closing the lanes. Kind of pisses you off, right? Because you want to be in the lane that you're in or you want to get there quicker. But sometimes that's an analogy of it's just the way that it is. But once you close off this lane, it's no longer an option to you. So once you take one of these options and you throw it out, you're you're that. The other thing you can do is, you know, because I, I like to take somewhat of a spiritual approach because it's worked in other areas of my life. Um, and just ask for guidance, you know, from power greater myself, just for guidance. You know, we say in practice, I do, you know, um, you know, just you know, ask for the guidance and, 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 and see where it takes you, you know, turn, turn it over to God. And that's when those lanes start closing, right? And then as soon as you get in the lane you're in, that's going to get you to the goal, right? Again, you can't spend time about, well, if they'd have kept the other lanes open, they're not open. You can only be on this lane. I see it a lot in our field where people, you know, like here, I'm doing a training. Let's say this is a basic training. Right? People are learning. It's like they're trying to decide, do they want to do this for a living? Well, if you're going to do it for a living, the people I've seen successful are the ones that jump in the lane and just keep going. Not that you might not keep your job going for a while, but if you're going to do it, you're going to jump in the lane and go and go with it, see where it takes you, right? Because sometimes, you know, that's the effort. But it also links back to the old idea that, you know, what is my dream? What do I want? You know, and realize where I'm at may or may not have anything to do with what's going on. But, you know, what's the dream? What's my goal? What do I want to accomplish? And then if I realize that sometimes to get to there, I'm going to have to shut off these other options, you know, um, that's what I have to do. And again, what helps for me is just kind of doing the next right thing. And you're all here. Again, this is a basic class. You're all here. So you're taking the next step. You know, will this be the final step? Maybe or maybe not. I don't know. Doesn't really matter. You're here now. Enjoy the training. Right. See where it takes you. Maybe you'll go. I really want to take this. I've had students in these classes love NLP, take basic master trainer, all this stuff and never leave the corporate environment. And are, but take all this stuff in a different direction. One guy, he's head of vice president of sales for a Fortune 50 company. That's a pretty good gig. <laughs> and he enjoys it, right? And so he took all the information and put it in the lane he was in. So maybe it'll open up new lanes. Maybe it'll keep this. Maybe, you know, it'll, it'll be used in the lane that you're in, you know, but have some fun with it and see where it takes you. So now, here's a technique we're going to do. And then I would jump in and do uh, that. Believe it or not, that would be a lead into the visual squash in a very covert way. 
you know, because again, party wants to do this because you're you're thinking of all the options, and and then party's hanging on to the lane that you're in. You're gonna have to let it go. Okay. And usually, I would throw in there the thing about watch what you. Anybody ever had the experience too of of learning that you have to be careful what you pray for because you just might get it, but it doesn't come in the answer that you want, right? You're like, damn you, God. You answered it, but not the way I wanted. <laughs> so anyway, maybe that's me. So that, that was my demo, all right? Who's up? Who's going to do, tell a little story to introduce a NLP technique? I know names if nobody wants to volunteer. All right, Nadi, we pin you. Cool. So the story is in a village context. There's this man who has uh, three ponies. How many of you are aware what ponies look like? Yeah, all right, good, thank you. So he's going around with three ponies and he's been traveling through the jungles, through the villages. He's going from one place to another. He wants to sell them at a fair, which is going to be up in a different uh, village some 10 days down the line. And uh, we are all familiar that we really need to travel a lot sometimes to reach from point A to point B. And we need to carry a lot that we are taking with us along. So this man is also in the same um, space and uh, traveling as he is, he feels tired, fatigued, and he wants to rest. And he comes by a beautiful little stream where he uh, looks around for a place to, to rest for a bit, to bathe in the stream. And uh, he wanted to tie his pony up, ponies up because they would have just gone off grazing and he wouldn't be able to keep track of them if he fell asleep or if, or if he was in the stream bathing. So he, as he was looking around, he looks at one particular tree and he finds a monk, a very smart yogi sitting under a tree. And uh, he uh, uh, is fascinated by what he's experiencing there. Very beautiful tree, it's seen in front of him. Now he has uh, with him two ropes and he has three ponies. So he takes one rope and ties one pony to a tree. He takes another rope and ties another pony to a tree. But he's figuring out what to do with the third one because he has no more ropes left with him or no more ropes. So he goes up to this uh, sage who's under, sitting under the tree and he says, I should seek some wise counsel. How many of you feel the need to seek some wise counsel every now and then? Yes. So uh, so he's, he, he's worried about wanting to... Should he disturb him? Should he? Should he not? But he's really tired, so he uh, approaches the sage and he says, um, "Sir, would you mind looking after my pony for me while I take a dip in the stream and take a little rest and eat?" He said, uh, "I've been watching you from a distance. You just tied the two of you, two two of your ponies. Why don't you do this, this the same thing with the third pony?" He said, "But sir, I do not have any rope left." So the sage says, uh, you know that your pony doesn't. 
So why don't you just go take your pony to a tree and just like you've tied the first two, take this third pony to a tree as well and pretend that you're tying him to a tree as well. He says, all right, let me give that a try. So he takes the third pony to a tree and just pretends that he's tying the third pony to a tree as well. And to his amazement, the pony just stands there by the tree unmoved. So he goes there, takes a dip, takes a round, takes, takes, takes rest and has a lot of, um, I mean, he's, he's very fascinated by what he's done. So after he's rested, he just moves around, goes back to the first pony that he tied with a rope, takes off the rope, takes off the rope from the second pony and starts to walk. But the third pony is still standing right next to the tree. So he's confused. He said, but why does this pony not move from there? So he goes up to the sage once more and he says, but why would my pony not move? I don't know what to do. How many times do you feel that there are things that we are tied with that we are, do not know of and we are still stuck? Do you realize that this happens to us as well so often? So the sage says that you untied the first two ponies, but did you untie this one? So in the same way as the pony, how many of you realize that there are certain smells that you are tied with, which take you to a past memory where, or, or, or some, some taste that you taste today reminds me of, of an old food or an old taste that you've had, um, your mother's favorite cooking, the, the, the food that you've loved so much, or somebody said something nasty to you, you're still hanging on to that, yes? Does that happen to us often? And these are the ropes that we've not, not seen. We don't know that we're still tied with such ropes. So just as certain unseen ropes are there, when he unties this third pony also, by that unseen rope that is tying that pony with that tree, the pony is very happy and he's able to take the pony back with him. So he's on his way to the next village with all, all, with all three ponies walking behind him. So, and this is what would lead me to introducing the anchoring and um, uh, bringing up the aspect of us being tied to these unseen chains and introduce the concept of anchoring. Thank you. Yeah, good job. Who's next? All right, so I have a, it's a brief a story um, and that which technique, um, I guess it's all mashed in my head, but I had, a, I had a client that I worked with for hypnosis who came in who really wanted to work through her driving anxiety. And so we were working together and, um, you know, I had done some, some regression work and went to the root and things like that, but she couldn't visualize herself being able to drive. She just couldn't fathom. She, even though we had worked through some of these emotions, she still just couldn't visualize herself successfully driving. And so, you know, what I did is I brought her in and, I had her just visualize or imagine being somebody who she knew in her life that could drive, you know, so she had chosen her mother 
right? So I said, so I put her into the trance. I said, I want you to imagine, just pretend if you would, that you're your mother. And I want you to imagine what it would feel like or what it would, what the experience would be like being your mother, going out for a drive, even driving you to this very appointment. And so we did some visualization and we anchored some, you know, the emotions, you know, what does it feel like? What do you respond like? And so it allowed her subconscious mind to kind of get uh, a reference of what it would feel like to drive relaxed, calm, you know, at least getting it written, like written in the unconscious mind where she had almost like a resource of what it would feel like, an expectation, at least something to go on. And so I had anchored, you know, that experience in her mind. And once that was done, you know, she came back to me the next time and said she drove. Well, she, she feels like she's her mother driving the car. And so she was able to start driving, go to driver's ed, have her parents with her driving. From that just simple technique of having her visualize the resources that her mother had, according to what she believed it was, and being able to implement it within herself so that she was able to, I guess, tap into those resources when she was driving. That's my story. Yeah. Cool. New behavior generate. Yeah. See, and everybody, if you go back and check these recordings, you'll have a whole bunch of stories you could model. Right. <laughs> Who's next? Binu. Mine is a very short one. It's a poem form by Ogden Nash. Uh, the centipede was walking along perfectly, happy one day, happily one day, with all his legs going in proper order. Until along came so-and-so, who asked the centipede which leg came after which. Now that poor centipede lies in a ditch, wondering which comes after which. So what you do unconsciously comes naturally to you. So allow yourself to flow through naturally and automatically through the techniques and believe in your unconscious competence. This usually I use when people are getting... Uh, very nervous or jittery about doing the exercises to uh, the fellow participants. Okay. They ask a lot of questions, Are they, which one to do, where to pause, where to anchor, which finger to push. So I usually use this to tell them it's okay, you just flow. Good. Who's next? Danea. Danea! Gotta do our. Ah, oh, that's so fun. Okay, so um, you know, the other day I was I I had this client, and it was so interesting because she came to me and she said. You know, 
I had a fight with my partner and it was so bizarre. And she said, cause she's like, I was watching myself react in a manner that I really didn't like, it wasn't warranted. The, the, whatever it was that her partner had done warranted a reaction, but the way she was reacting was a little bit over the top. And even she knew that. And, you know, I thought it was really cool because she had that awareness that she was able to recognize she was overreacting, but it kind of reminded me of, uh, we have this highway here in British Columbia called the Coquihalla and it's like, you know, we've got three lanes on either side and travel along about 75 miles an hour, but there are certain stretches of this highway where you're committed. Like that's it. You can't, you can't cross over it. So if you realize that you've gone the wrong way or you want to get off this highway, you can't, you're stuck. You have to wait until you get there. And, you know, it was interesting as she was telling me this, she had committed to the behavior, if you will. It was, that was it. She had to let it run its course until it was done. And it reminds me of that highway because once you're on it, you can't get off. There's nothing that you can do. You're, you're on it. You have to go. But what's really interesting is, can you imagine being able to pull back and look at it and look at what supports that highway? And if you can just change those supports, right? Maybe you maybe you need to blow them up and rebuild it somewhere else. Or maybe you just need to shift a few things and create an off-ramp so that you can turn around and do it differently, if you will. So yeah, that's my story. All right. And what technique would that would I could see a lot of techniques, but what technique would that the regression, a regression? Cool. Ah, oh, Nadine. <laughs> okay, so um, it it's a story about a little girl who was crying day and night, and uh, because she felt she's she she's not appreciated by her siblings, by her parents, and uh, from her uh, mates in the classroom, and she didn't want to go to school anymore. And uh, one day she decided to stay in, in the room and just pray. Um, she was crying a lot. And uh, when she decided to sleep, she was she she asked a guidance from God. And when she turned off the light, she saw an angel inside the room and uh, she was scared. But then the angel the angel told her, I just want you now to close your eyes, to relax. And believe me, you will have the answer what to do when you sleep. Can you relax, count from 100 to zero, and then you will fall asleep and God will give you the, the answer in your dream. And, uh, and actually when she slept and she woke up, she saw someone who loves her very much, just next to the window. And uh, she was talking to him all the night and asking about her qualities and why, uh, why he loves her. And the second day she, walks, she woke up 
excited and because she realized how much she is loved by this person. So it's the self-appreciation technique. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Next. Manisha, thanks for volunteering. So this is a story about me when I was little. I was in class three and I had no friends. And I was very alone. And because I was alone, I didn't really know what to do, especially when I was in school. There were so many of my classmates, but no one was friends with me. Because as I had moved from class two to class three, I had had a very harrowing experience in class two. So I was not very comfortable making friends. I was not comfortable talking to people. Every morning I would reach school. My bus was the first to reach. I would go stand next to the basketball court where I had my seniors practicing basketball. I was too small. Well, I still am small. But the stature was smaller then. As little as I was, that class was not when students were allowed to touch the basketball. So I could only stand and watch and watch and watch. Did I really like the game? I don't know. Did I want to play the game? I don't know that either. I just wanted to run away from that class where I could not tolerate or could not stand the chatter of all the friends they were, who were talking to one another because I had no friends. And as I stood there every day watching, observing how my seniors would play, and they were brilliant basketball players, I gradually started to like the game. Well, they say it's a tall boy's game. But as, I, as luck would have it, one day the teacher, the sports teacher, spotted this little kid who would always be standing behind these railings and staring from there because she could barely be over the railings. So she was standing there. One day he pointed out to me and said, hey, you little one, come down. And scared though I was, I was tempted to be there and I ran. Somebody had found me. Somebody had acknowledged me because neither my teacher nor my classmates did. And as I ran down, while the seniors were taking rounds of the field, they were running and warming up. That teacher gave me the basketball. For the first time I held that big ball in my hand, there was excitement, but I didn't know what to do. And the teacher said, you've been watching and I've been watching you. So here's the ball. Let's see you shoot. I didn't know what it was, but I know what the seniors had been doing with that basketball every day I shot and to my surprise and his the ball went into the basket he looked at me for the size was too small and by that time the seniors had all stood in silence looking at the small little thing who'd barely ever touched the ball and had shot him and the teacher now looked and said perhaps that was luck by chance so he moved me to a different direction and said, here, 
take the ball, shoot. And I shot again and again to my surprise and his and everybody else's. It went in again. And then he says, something's different. So he gave me the ball yet again. And he said, from a different direction, shoot. And there, the third time, it went in again. And as I realized that there was something in me, he told me, I want you to be in the field every day. You will now practice with the seniors. That's when I started doing something that I had no clue about. And from that day, for until the end of my school and my college, I was in the school team and my college team. Well, I did not pursue that further. But let me tell you one thing. When you set out and when you realize the potential that is in you, which has been identified by somebody else, it's there. So remember, there is everything that you are capable of. So my thing is get out of your way. And as you watch it, you can do it. Welcome to NLP, because that's what you will learn here. You will watch some, you will do some, and you will learn so much more. So trust yourself. And while you trust me, welcome, everybody. Thank you. Superb job, Mani. We were there with you. <laughs> Michelle. So I was in class. I was learning to um, just have NLP in my life. That was it. And Dr. Will was talking about a technique and how easy and, and wonderful it was for him. For him, he said that he hated fruit. He said he tried this technique. He volunteered to be the subject to go from hating fruit to enjoying it. And some people in the class sort of scoffed and like, well, who, who would want to you know, who doesn't like fruit? He's, you know, Dr. Wells, like, yeah, no. And so he stepped up and he volunteered because no one was volunteering. And he thought, well, what if this works? What if this trainer that he was watching, what if it actually worked for him? So he sat there and he allowed the process. He allowed himself to be in the experience. So he went to this, to the front of the room. He had the technique. He was asked a few questions, just a few. What do you, what do you like? What do you hate? And the trainer put these things together. He also asked about his senses, about the um, textures, the brightness, where he even felt these emotions in his body. And this trainer moved things around, talked to him. It seemed magical. Turned things black and white, turned things color, blew things up, smashed things down, squashed them. So he kept sitting there. He kept participating. What if this, 
what? Because he was so impressed with this trainer and the importance of why he should have fruit in his life. He's like, yeah, I'm going to try. He volunteered. He was up there and he allowed this to happen. That's great. Now, Dr. Will is teaching me. Fast forward. He loves fruit. He eats fruit every day. Now he's teaching me. And he asked for a volunteer. He says, who wants to eliminate something from their life? And no one would volunteer. And I thought, oh, what if this works? What if this is actually going to happen? Did I know if it was going to work? I didn't. But how could it possibly happen for me? Because I was one of those people that believed, oh, it'll work for everyone else, but not me. I had that mindset. So I went to the front of the class. He asked me what food I liked. He asked me what food I, I did not like. And he put them together. He asked me about my senses. You know, what does this smell like to you? Where in the body is it? What do you hate? Where in the body is it? And he moved it around. And magically, magically, I closed my eyes. He did what he did. I opened my eyes. Okay, now I'm not eating French fries anymore. Was I? Was I not? I didn't know. Because how, how could I test this? We were in class and I kept thinking about French fries because he said, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you like French fries? Well, that was a 52 and a half. And so at the end, I was like, I, I think it's just one or zero, but I didn't know if it was true. How could I test this? How, what was the meaning? What was going on? And so at lunchtime, where I would always have, always have French fries and chips, I was at lunch with the other participants and I easily ordered some, some soup. And I think it was a, a sandwich with cheese. And I forgot to order french fries. I forgot to order chips. I didn't even think of it where that was my unconscious mind always going for mm, chips, mm, french fries, mm, mm, mm. And I, I forgot. I forgot to have that taste in my mouth. I forgot. So if you're ready to move something from love to disgust, or we can switch it around. We can go from disgust to love. We'll map that across. And I would like to see who's ready for volunteering. Who would like to do that? And that's, <laughs> thank you. All right, all right. Okay. Hey, um, <clears throat> Scott. One time I had a salesperson who was working for me and it, he had uh, at one point been our top salesperson and he was in a sales slump. So um, he came to me and said, you know, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Uh, but, you know, I used to be the top salesperson. I earned all these awards. But the last couple months, I just can't seem to get anything to close. So 
I had him go back and listen to, and I listened to with him, he is some of his current calls, and we reviewed his tonality and how he sounded now. And then we went back and looked at some of his calls from two months ago when he was at his peak and he was really closing deals. And his energy level, his enthusiasm, his passion for the service was completely different, and he picked up on it. Yeah, that was his observation. So he said, wow. He said, so I said, so what happened? So he said, well, I've had a couple customers complain. And so that really reduced my kind of my enthusiasm for the service itself. So I said, well, you know, you've got, you know, he had been there for over 15 years. I said, you've got, you know, 99% of the customers you've dealt with have been uh, raving fan customers. And haven't they? And he said, yeah, they have. So I just had him simply close his eyes. And I said, you know, just imagine you're going back to that state two months ago and you were at your peak and imagine the awards that you got and, and how that felt. And I had him snap his fingers and then I had him also then just remember the raving fan customers he had gotten. And I had him snap his fingers as well. And I had him do that over and over again, repeatedly, and then stopped and then he had him do that every morning at the start of his, right when he was getting ready to start his day, he had him review the raving fan testimonials that he had gotten earlier, and then also just snap his fingers. And literally within that, by the end of that week, he had closed two deals after being on a slump forever and continued to go back to being one of our top salespeople from that, that point on, went on to win the award again. So that's the power of anchoring. Uh, and how it can really help increase performance and, and really help us control our state. So that's why we're going to get into this anchoring exercise now. Cool. All right. There it is. Awesome. All right. Who hasn't went yet? Sham Shamala. Uh, so I'm going to be telling the story of a girl who actually did her engineering and MBA, uh, worked in a corporate company for some time, uh, maybe for around two years and post-marriage two years. And she said, this is not the life that I want to lead. And uh, uh, she quit the job and she was so passionate about the dog that she did an international certification for dog training. And she started uh, you know, the dog training and she was earning good salary out of it. Um, within one year, she decides to move to another part of the world. And uh, she says that uh, currently I won't be doing the dog training. I would be actually uh, taking up a new job there till I settle down in that country and then I will pursue this dog training again. Um, so the wife and husband both move, both quit the job here, high flying job with a good salary. And both moved to another part of the world and uh, uh, start going for, uh, you know, interviews. Uh, when she went for the interview, she was, uh, there was, uh, I know, uh, uh, the interviewer at one part of time told her that you think that you can uh, do your engineering MBA, work for some time and then leave the job and then, uh, you know, go for a doc training and then come back again for a corporate job. Who told you that you could do that? 
and she did not get the uh, job at all. So she had three or four interviews she attended and uh, she could not do anything well there. Uh, she became very underconfident suddenly and it was a new country also and she was facing a facing lot of challenges. And then she approached me. Um, I said, okay, let's work it out. So I one is that I took her to the... Uh, memories of how she got her dog certification itself, you know, which was entirely a different thing. And uh, how she also uh, got her uh, job, whatever she wanted. So I made her go through those memories. And uh, that was one part of it that we went through those memories of uh, including all the, uh, you know, in the sense that how well she did, how, how was the preparation? What made her to get that uh, job? So all those things, we uh, I worked with her. And uh, similarly, I also asked her to visualize. Now, at present, when you're not having a job, how are you figuring out yourself? How do you see yourself? And supposing you get this job, how would you look like, you know, picturize yourself or visualize yourself both ways and uh, I made her do these things uh, she not only got that job the next interview that she went uh, she not only got a job but she got a job in the company that she wanted in a foreign land so it was like you know it took six months for this she came to me and immediately I think within 15 to 20 days she went for that interview and she got her dream job so I would welcome you all to this uh, personal and professional mastery and success, you know, where it begins here and uh, nothing can stop once you have learned this. So welcome to this beautiful course. Thank you so much. Good job. Thank you. Hey, KV, do you want to do what we're doing? You're telling the hypnotic story to set up an NLP technique. You don't have to do the technique. It's the setup. Yeah, can, can you hear me? Gotcha. Yeah, great. So... Yeah, so this is actually a combination of uh, a, a visual kinesthetic anchor uh, as well as uh, changing the brief uh, system, which I usually do with uh, some of the coachings as well as the participants. So uh, this goes like this. So let's let's do an activity, all of us together. So I I, I thought that we just start with an activity also. Can I? Okay, so I, I, I want all of you to uh, cross your arms, hold your hands, all of you. Uh, Gills, Bernard. Yeah, so I, I would like all of you to hold your hands. Cross your hands, all of you. Yeah, great. Very good. Now, I want you to fold your hands again. A different way. Earlier it was this way, the left was down, now it will be this way. Okay? 
So how do you, how do you find this change? Very comfortable as compared to the previous one. Can I get some answers? Okay. Not very comfortable, some comfortable. Okay. Okay, great. So so tell me, is there any written or spoken rule that you have to fold your hands only this way and not this way? No, there isn't. So, so we just get used to uh, a way of uh, working, way of uh, living, way of behaving. So we just get used to a certain way of thinking. So suddenly somebody says, hey, why don't you hold your hand this way? You might be thinking, what is this guy crazy? So what happens is, I'm, I'm sure many of uh, uh, friends know, that uh, the life, the, the mind and the body are part of the same system. It's one of the NLP presuppositions. So when the mind and body are part of the same system, whatever the body does, the mind also does. The message goes inside. So when you change the physiology, you also change the state of mind. So don't you think uh, you would like to uh, look at some limiting beliefs, something which you have gotten used to working in one way, and if there are any alternatives, uh, adding that. So welcome to the neural linguistic programming workshops where you would find a lot of techniques similar to this, which would help you to change the way of thinking. It's not for good or bad, a different way of thinking to get your results. Welcome. Oh. So. All right. Everybody that's muted and camera on went. Cool. I have to say that one made me really think. Because <laughs> I even when he said to switch, I kept doing it the same. I'm like, wait, how how do I? I felt like Madonna. But <laughs> yeah, I had to think about it, and which I think is amazing for NLP training. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then I just wanted to add that, uh, of course, it takes time. So I take them through the four levels of uh, unconscious uh, incompetence, conscious incompetence, conscious competence, unconscious competence. So I said that it takes about some time, about four, four weeks to get used to the system. So the next four weeks, you fold your hands this way. After that, whether you fold it this way or this way or this way, doesn't matter. Thank you. Good work, everyone. So did you get some good stories that you could model? I always say model because you could take them and tweak them and, uh, and apply them the next time you're doing a training or even one-on-one -on -one with somebody or a demo. So now you got several examples you could use, right? Yeah. Yes, Miss Michelle. There is a story that you tell that I love so much, and I can't remember which um, technique you use it. I, I want to say visual squash, but I can't remember. And it was similar to Danae's. Yours is with the seven mile bridge and we drop through to the pillars to make our change. And because in Florida, there's a seven mile bridge that you, you can't, there's no getting off, you know? And I think you related it to 
probably alcohol abuse, like you, you're on this bridge and, you know, are you going to go, you know, on that same path or, you know, how are you going to get off of this? And then you drop down and you see the pillars, you see a new way. It was just amazing. I can't remember it, but when I was like, oh, Denea, yes. <laughs> but do you, do you know the story I'm talking of, Dr. Will? Or the technique? It's on video. <laughs> NLP regression. That's it. Just like Denea. Yes. Okay. NLP yeah. regression technique, which is a newer yeah. technique. Yeah, you got to blow up the... Them? Technique? Yeah, Milton Erickson came to me in a dream. Uh, <laughs> Let's hear it. Well, we'll do it in a minute. Cool. Did you get some good stories, by the way? Yeah. Oh, shit. That'll work. I just got a brain idea. It hurts. It hurts when you get a brain idea. Now we're going to do something. Every time we teach, um, it's called tape edit. You know, if you've been through my training, I call it tape edit, where as soon as you're done, you sit down and you run the tape in your head of what you just did. Because you ever notice you give a talk, whatever you do, as soon as you're done, you think of, God damn it, I wish I would have said this, said that, or, you know, and this is so applicable. This is a technique in and of itself we should use more, right? I got to start you. That's the one I got to remind Albert, you know, who's an agent for actors that as soon as you do an audition, as soon as you're done, you think of the things you could have done. Right. And if it's an online audition, the moment you sit, hit send, you're done. Or if you're walking in the room to audition for the director and the casting director, you only got one shot. But what happens in our heads is we amplify the stuff we thought we did wrong. Again, you don't know what your audience saw. You have no clue, right? And, and so, yeah, again, you don't know what the audience saw. I remember that remind. now this is a nested loop, right? Now I'll go a story within a story, which reminds me, I was watching an actor I, I, I really like, uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins. And he talked about when he did Silence of the Lambs, you know, he almost didn't do the movie, you know, but the only reason he did it is he thought it would be a challenging role. And I, I think the scene he was talking about was the very beginning, right? Where if you read the book and the way it was set up in the opening scene where we meet Hannibal Lecter, the, the mass murderer, right? That, you know, the FBI agents walking down the hallway and they did this in one take, right? Where they're, it's called a dolly shot where they're following the actor. Like here's the actor and they follow him. Then she turns and it's a shot where she sees Hannibal Lecter. And in the original setup and in the book, it describes he's like a caged animal, like a tiger, right? That he's about to bust out, which is, uh, and he goes, as they're getting ready to do the shot, he's in the, he's in the, on the set where he is, you know, he's got his sight line, you know, his, his, his mark. And he's doing his pacing. He's doing what was set up. And he goes, suddenly, I just thought, I'm going to try something different. It's acting. You know, you could, you always get to do it again. And so they're walking down and all the scenes that are going on before it. And it gets to her and she turns and the camera's there and it's still going. 
and he doesn't move. He doesn't blink. It, it, it's just like he's locked in and he's just staring, right? And then the interchange happens and he never moves and he never blinks. And he said, while they were filming it, you know, um, he's locked in, he's doing his lines. And there was a lot of pauses because his co-star was standing there uh, and she was expecting something different the way they rehearsed it. But, you know, she didn't hear cut Jodie Foster. So she's just going with it, but it caused a little bit longer pause, which is, you know, when you see it is brilliant. And uh, the cameraman asked the director, do you want to yell cut? Cause this is not what he's doing. And the director says, no, because I don't know what he's doing, but I just shit myself. Right. Cause it was so intense and he's a little guy. He's so intimidating. And so again, you don't know how, how, what your audience sees, but anyway, he goes, I didn't know if people would like it, but then, you know, of course it sets the whole movie up. Um, so when you're, when you're doing the tape edit, as soon as you're done, you could improve it, right? So you, what you do is you, if you haven't done it, is you just kind of close your eyes and like you just replay the story you just told, right? And you just think, how could I have done it a little bit better? This is really good when you're doing a talk or if you're at a conference and, and you finish a talk at a conference, a presentation, a BNI or a, a chamber of commerce meeting, if you go back and you edit it. But you add in you edit it so you make it as perfect as you can, right? So you're remembering perfectly. You know, what's the old thing? Pra practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect, something like that, right? So, but you did what you did, right? But now we can add, hey, let's make it even more current because NFNLP tries to stay current. Now when you tape edit, you turn it over to AI, to the artificial intelligence program that's going to correct everything. The, the words you could have said takes out the pauses, might even take out the ums and ahs. I've been working on this. We'll see if that works. Yeah. So when you run the tape, it's perfect. And then you step into it. And all you're doing is rewriting the memory because is your memory correct? No. Your memory is just what your memory is. Yeah. But if you remember the mistakes, you're more like, I think you're more likely to make the same mistake. Right? I know I do it with the M's and the O's, and I'm I'm actually starting to work on that. So, but try the tape edit on this little break we're gonna take. Uh then we'll come back and I'll uh, we'll we'll have some fun. But do the tape edit where you just kind of and you got some examples you could throw in. What would you have done differently? How would you have made it even better? And again, I would say turn it over to AI, because especially if you've played with AI, chat GPT or that Nova AI, any of those. Anybody else think it's freaking amazing some of the shit it can do? You know, I, I heard uh, uh, another story within a story. I heard Joe Vitale, if you know him, the uh, guy from The Secret who the founder of hypnotic writing, current hypnotic writing, uh, said he was playing with it. And he said, write this in this, and he just signed on. He goes, write this in the, the way I would write, the way Joe Vitale would write it. And he goes, when I saw it, he goes, 
it scared him so much because that's exactly how he would have done it with the hypnotic writing skills. So maybe that's why he's semi-retired and doing something different. So anyway, so do a tape edit while we're on this quick break. Then we'll come back and we'll, we'll do something even more fun. Let's take a quick pause while you do the tape edit. Dr. Hordano, what you said the last time yes. about the room temperature being cold, I realize it really helps. Okay. <laughs> Keeps you awake? Yes. And alert. More alert than awake, actually. Yeah. Cool. All right. So... Here we go. This is my anchor. Here we go. And I'll tie it into something we got demoed today about because this did I, uh, this weekend I'm giving a talk on self-image at IAC, the International Association of Counselors and Therapists in beautiful Orlando, Florida. So I'm kind of excited, even more than normal, not somewhat about the talk, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> But I've been lucky enough to be doing talks at hypnosis conferences, 1988 or so, give or take. Um, but I go there, and as soon as, pretty much after I'm done with the talk, I talk on Friday. Uh, I'm going to just hang around a little while, and then I'm taking off to go work on a film <laughs> where I play a serial killer. <laughs> and I think I've got three kills in the movie. Uh in just like a couple scenes. But uh, that's kind of a nice uh, juxtaposition, if you will, you know, caring, compassionate, healer. Okay, now I'm going to go kill people. Um, but so I'm kind of excited. But I'm speaking on self-image, right? The magic of self-image. Um, in fact, I did a class not too long ago on this. And, I, you know, looking back now, if I was going to tape edit an AI, I would change it a little bit. Because, you know, I think I use the title unstoppable force when you change your self-image. Have you ever met someone that's an unstoppable force? Right? It's like they're just, they're, they're going, you know, which is, can be appealing. And a lot of people want that, right? It has to do with their self-image. And so what we're going to, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to do a demo of kind of what I'll do tomorrow or in a couple of days, I think. And I will do the technique, um, um, the NLP regression technique, which mentioned about, you know, about a bridge or a highway and stuff. And I'll tie it all together. And this is for you because then your homework assignment, I will make sure, because I, I, it's not in the manual, I don't think, the NLP regression. Uh, I'll make sure it's posted, right? Uh, because I even think Miss Michelle helped put that technique, cleaned it up, and it's in there. I'll put it in the uh, trainer's Facebook group so you can download it. And I want you, your homework assignment is to next week, uh, between now and then, is to record it and post it, right? About doing the technique. Not telling people what you're doing. You're just going to do the technique. So that'd be a good example of doing what we're doing. So anyway, here we go. You know, it's kind of interesting. You know, as I look to the future, I always realize that 
as much as we don't think about it, we're constantly reinventing ourselves, or we wish we would. We think we are, but part of that is there's a constant underneath it. So I heard a person say once, you know, if you're not where you want to be in life, it's really only two, two, maybe three options. One is there's something you don't know that you need to go and learn, right? So you could go and learn something. that, And that's fine, right? But many times for a lot of us, there's things you know, but you're not doing. That's why it's important always, you see master athletes and martial arts, they're always taking classes in the basics because it's the things you don't know that you're not doing that might be holding you back. And then third would be a combination of the two. There's stuff you don't know, or there's new information on old information that you need to update. But we get stuck. But we like to think we're constantly reinventing ourselves, especially people in the self-help world. Coaches, hypnotists, you know, nelpers. Oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're masters at it. And yet, if you pull back, you know, if, you're, if you pull back from the experience and you're looking at it, you begin to think so, the, people aren't changing as much as they think they are. Especially if you're lucky enough, you go to conferences every year and you see like they're really not changing. They haven't updated their information. They haven't updated their physical appearance. If anything, it's gotten worse. I hate to be mean, but you know, hey, um, you know, so it's like we like to think that. So why don't we? Why don't we? And we have the skills or at least the, the building blocks, the pillars, if you will, of the skills to change these kind of things. But I was at a class the other day and someone brought back something I forgot to do, which is, you know, we like to think that, especially those of us with the information can change easily. But it's kind of like the example of, you know, if you take your hands and you, you do this like you're going to say a prayer, right? So if everybody take your hands and do this like you're saying, you know, and I can say, thank you, my children, for praying to me. But uh, tough crowd. Anyway, but if you now take your hands and just switch them so the other hand is on top, right? And you feel how strange that feels, correct? And you're going to constantly go to the way you do it. Same way, the old story of you, you probably put your shirt on the same way that you put it on for years. But we like to think we're change agents. It'll be easy for us. <laughs> I laugh. I laugh at the, the arrogance of that, right? Because some of this stuff's running deep and it gets deeper and deeper. And it has to do with basically parts of your personality. What kind of personality do you have, right? Your identity, if you will. And again, this is where the conflict happens. Just because we know something doesn't mean we do it, right? And it takes a special person, a truly special person to, to get the, and usually it's because it somehow it gets pointed out to you that you know, you're not necessarily living the talk that you talk. You're just talking the talk. You're not walking the walk, right? And so, because it's like, what is that personality that, that's constantly running? And it reminds me of, uh, because what happens is we develop parts of our personality, uh, I think, when we're quite young. Obviously, we're developing our personality. You're you know, now we know a lot of it isn't, you're not really born a blank slate. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's actually genetic memory and all this, but you know, a lot of it can be shaped as you're growing up. Right. And it, you know, and so why don't we change it a little more often? 
And it reminds me what happens is as you're growing up, it's like you're building a highway, right? You're building a highway. And if you build a highway, especially you got to go over an overpass or a bridge, it's got to have pillars to hold the highway up, right? Which can be a good thing. And it's, it's kind of like getting the express lane. If you're in a part of the country where the big highways has an express lane, you usually got to pay for it, right? But you get in the express lane, that's a good thing. It can get you to your, to your goal a little quicker, maybe, but it also stops you from getting off the highway if you need to, right? Which can be just as bad, right? You know, got to go get off the highway to go to the bathroom or get something to eat. Well, you're in the express lane. There's no exit, right? It's kind of like being on a bridge. And so, so unfortunately, we're not taught as we're growing up to build off ramps to these highways and maybe even get off the highway you're on and create a, a whole new highway, right? And that's where I think the saying might come to pass that, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, you know, leopards can't change its spots, you know? And I love, I've actually heard that kind of thing. And it, it saddens me because I think our job as change agents, hypnotists, coaches, and helpers is, uh, is to show people, no, you can change your spots. You can change, you can teach an old dog new tricks, right? But the hard part's going underneath it and blowing up those pillars that are, that's keeping us on the, on the wrong road, right? Because human nature says you're going to take the path of least resistance and you'll stay on the path that you're on, right? And sometimes we have to totally blow it up. In, you know, the field I got exposed with this stuff first, addictions, unfortunately, a lot of the people won't blow up that bridge until it's literally one step short of death. You know, it could be they're in jail, could be they're, they're homeless, could be they're, you know, they've lost their family, their things like that. So, so, you know, let's say you want to create a new you. Let's say you want to create a different version of yourself, right? It doesn't mean that the old highway won't be there, but if you don't have an off-ramp, you know, you need to create that off-ramp and maybe even blow up the old one if you want a totally new you. We just came out of the first of the year where people are always talking about creating a new, you know, being a new you, new year, new me, all that stuff people post on, you know, the first of the year, right? And yet they don't do anything to really make that change. And so what it is, you have to think about, you know, where, you know, let's say you have something holding you back from getting to your goal. And I was just working with a client who uh, they don't hit the level of success that they want, right? They can't make the money that they want. They can't get the level of success that they want. They're okay. They're doing okay. But they can't get, you know, to the level of success. And so you know, what we had to do is I had to help that person realize that, you know, they're, they're, they're on this road and it's going toward a goal and, you know, it may be okay, but maybe you need to blow up some of those pillars that are supporting that road. So you have to take a different path. You absolutely have to take a different path. It won't be an option, right? Because if you get there and the road's tore up, you, you got to get off. You know, you may have to create a new road. And so, you know, we started doing that. And so they took a deep breath and closed their eyes and said, what keeps you on this path? You know, you're, you're, you're successful. 
And they were talking to me with their eyes closed. And they say, you know what it is? It's kind of like I keep getting the term. And it comes from the, uh, I've heard business people use it. Golden handcuffs. I have golden handcuffs. I'm doing okay enough that it's not painful to, you know, it's what jobs do. You know, I've, I, there's a line in a movie I love where the person asks someone, what did they pay you to give up your dream? You go to work for a corporate, what do they pay you to, unless that corporate job is your dream, which is, that's great. But if it's not, what did they pay you to give up your dream? And so they realized they had these golden handcuffs. And, and I said, well, then that's kind of like you're locked in. You're literally locked in where you can't grab other options. And so it's kind of like being on that highway where we're going to have to blow up those pillars. Where, where do you think it comes from? And so they relaxed. I had them relaxed like you might relax now. And think about it. if you're not where you want to be, and you're learning the skills you want to learn, you know, and that that will take you there. And maybe there's things you know that you're not doing to build your business, to get the body you want, to get the relationships you want, right? If you know there's what you need to know, but you're not doing it, you know, you could go inside and see what's holding you back. And many times it comes from our childhood. Right? It comes from our childhood. That, you know, uh, be grateful for what you got. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in gratitude and everything. But you can be grateful for what you want, but want something more. And so, so you have to go in and, and kind of do something a little different. And, and not just, what if you change that pillar? What if while you do this, it actually creates a new road, creates an offering, Right where you go in and you spend some time with that younger you that maybe learned like, hey, don't stand out. Don't, don't call too much attention to yourself. Um, you know, everyone and I, you know, we're a blue collar family. We're not made to be rich. Uh, you know, you don't want to stand, whatever it is, what might be holding you back, right? Uh, money is the root of all evil. Whatever might've been taught to you as a child that's holding you back from getting to your goal, right? Or, you know, all women in our family get fat at 40 or 50 or, you know, uh, whatever it is, right? Uh, so you know what it is. And so if you go back as you are now, when that little you, five, six, seven years old, maybe even before you had memories, where the, these thoughts, feelings, and images were put into your head, uh, before you could analyze them. And so what if you go back as you are now and basically, basically parent yourself the way you would have been parented to create a new pillar for this, for this highway that's going to be your life, for this bridge that you're going to get on to where you want to get, right? And be grateful for the bridge got you to where you are right now. That's gratitude. It got me to where I am right now, you know? And so you can continue on that bridge or now you can create the road that you want to be on, whether it's to be more successful in your business, in your relationship, in your body, whatever it happens to be. What would you tell that younger you? Because naturally and easily, as you realize and become aware that we're always reparenting, we're either letting that inner child run our lives or we're constantly reparenting that inner child. 
And so only you can do that now as you're beginning to think about it, right? And so as you do that and you come in contact with that capacity inborn in you to make new choices from where you are now to where you want to go and look at the things that got you to where you are, be grateful for the things that got you to where you are, but let go of the things that are stopping you from getting forward. Now, no one can do that for you, really. As an adult, only you can do that. You know? And your parents didn't know what they didn't know. And maybe what was right for them is not right for us. The same way sometimes the things we might be teaching our children or our grandchildren is not the information that they need in this day, in this age, right now. It's kind of like the analogy, if you're on that highway, you, you probably don't want to drive forward looking in the rearview mirror. Not that you don't look in the rearview mirror occasionally in the side mirrors. You want to keep your eyes on the, mainly on the, through the windshield to where you're going. So if you really think about where you want to go and you get a clear vision in that windshield of where you want to go, is it the highway that you're on? Is it the personality that you are right now? Or do you need to shift? Maybe it's, Maybe it's just change lanes. Maybe it's create a whole nother off-ramp and go in a different direction. Many of us do that when we learn hypnosis and NLP. Hey, I was grateful I got to do some of the things I did, the jobs I had and the careers I had. But now I'm on a, that wasn't in alignment with where I want to go. And now you're on a new path, whatever it happens to be. But even if you're on that new path, if it's not where you want to be exactly, what do you need to tweak? What do you need to, you know, build a new pillar? you know, and, and do that. And so what I want you to think about is, you know, parenting that younger you. Sometimes you just need to blow up that bridge, like with an addiction that's going to kill you or a relationship that's toxic in every way, shape, and form. It could be that relationship could be with a person, place, or thing, right? But you got to get that out of your life, blow that bridge up. You can't live it. But Maybe it's just making a slight change. Maybe it's a major change. Maybe it's gradually changing. If you've ever been on a highway and it says, you know, the exit you want is three miles up, you know, maybe you want to begin to change lanes to get to the off-ramp, right? Because none of us like the person that's like, oh, I got to get off, and they cut everybody up. But, you know, it can be a gradual change, you know, which I highly suggest. Uh, suggest to people when I'm coaching people in corporate that may want to become a coach, you know, maybe you want to jump off. Maybe you want to like, you know, change lanes to get to the off ramp. But again, keep your eye on where you want to go and look, but don't, but be grateful for what got you to where you are, <clears throat> you know, and again, with your parents, grandparents, teachers, people from your past, they didn't know what they didn't know. Right. Just like, you don't know what you don't know. So we're adding those things. But especially those of us that know things, we can add those to create ourselves, to create a blueprint for our life and our lifestyle, to create an authentic self-image that's in alignment with who I want to be, looking the way you want to look, acting the way you want to act, doing the things you want to do, being the person you truly want to be. So as you take all those in and just put all that together, now let's jump in and get started.
That was a different version of the NLP regression. We went back, looked at some things. It's a little bit of a reparenting technique, right? And with some different analogies. Feedback, questions? No? It was fabulous again. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciated how it helped uh, get a little bit more clarity on those. For me, it was some subtle little shifts that need to happen to get me where I want to go. It just helped me to see them uh, easily. So thank you. Okay. I looked at your technique more as a more as how I would present rather than going down the memory lane for my own self. I was, I love the analogy of the car and the rear view mirrors. Uh, where we take a backward glance just to course correct where we are going forward. So I, I love the way you used it on the lanes of the highway. So I liked it. I'm going to use that. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, I love that analogy of the uh, old highway, new pillar, new highway, old pillar. It doesn't just blow up the highway, construct new highway, new roads. That was fabulous. Yeah. I I like the off-ram uh, which we can create anytime we want and uh, uh, create a stronger pillar and highway ahead if you don't want to get down on an off-ramp which is inviting you to go down the road but you are choosing to steadily go forward so I love that and uh, reparenting where you are going back and uh, changing something in your uh, young child self. So that was really, really nice. Thank you for that. I cool. also liked the part where you said to, you know, gradually three miles ahead, start moving over and don't, <laughs> you know, there's always a jerk that comes over really fast. That was a cute analogy I enjoyed. Yeah, Scott yeah, sees those was, at the on, on yeah. the Dan Ryan Expressway. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's exactly right. That's what I was thinking of. No, I, I like the gradual. I agree. I think that's mm. a really powerful metaphor, that gradual transition. So Yeah. Especially if you're yeah. going to be teaching basic NLP, a lot of people want to jump into coaching, which is my structural or philosophical disagreement with people they go quit your job i'll show you how to make six figures a year doing this right now and i'm like really what well, you know <laughs> first gather the information maybe they want to make a shuttle change maybe you know right right exactly yeah very powerful though but these are the same guys that'll tell you they'll sell you a million dollar idea for 27 dollars. so right yeah <laughs> I don't, I, you know. <laughs> all right. So I will post the <clears throat> version of the NLP regression. So you can make sure you just record it and like do the setup, just do a brief, like, here's this for what, 
you know what? No, just do the technique. Never mind. Just do the technique. That way you can repurpose it very easily. You don't even have to edit. You can put it up anywhere. Uh, a, a question. Uh, yes. What specifically? But I'm not. Uh, I'm not understood the homework part. Well, I'm going to post the. It's called the NLP regression. You don't have it, and I want you to take that technique, read it, and then you're going to do what we did today. Tell a story, set it up, do the technique within the story. That's what a trainer okay. does: is you do the techniques within the story. Then when you back up Thanks. and go, okay, here's step one, here's step two, here, that's pretty easy. Good? Great. Yep. All right. See you later. Alligator. Bye. All right. Bye. You. Thank you, Dr. Horton. Yeah. Have a great Bye. week, everybody. Bye.